0: Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Back from California, went down there this last weekend for the big show weekend with the bug in, and Friday afternoon uh, rolled into the DKP meet down in uh, Old Town Garden Grove, which was a real nice turnout. Lots of cool cars. It's always a good. It's always a good hang. Uh, it's no Nick's Super Burger, but uh, it's close. It's a close second, and I got a good opportunity to kind of hang out for a while, talk to Dean Kirsten, also spend some time hanging out with Lonnie Reed and seeing a bunch of the guys from Southern California. I mean, we really had some pretty good conversations. I ran into Franchi down there. I mean, a lot, of the, a lot of the faces to the names you guys hear on the podcast were down there, of course, because it's the traditional cow look uh, you know, meetup Friday night, and it's definitely a great time. If you guys ever have the opportunity to go check it out, it's for sure worth it. Um, it's a great place to hang out places to eat. It's relaxing and then you get to see a bunch of cool cars So but we sat around and uh, had lunch and talked talking with Dean and Lonnie and uh, the guys down there And I tell you guys if I, I wish I had a microphone at the table just because of the good stories that they were talking about But you know that gives me just better ideas to do another round table with some of those guys you know, uh, Rick Sadler and some of the guys that were out there, you know, it was a great time. So that was Friday. And then Saturday was the impy open house. Uh, they were good enough to make some room for me because I didn't really, uh, reserve being there so i had a little booth set up over there and while i was down there uh connected with the gentleman we'll be on the podcast with today so it was definitely some uh, it was worthwhile trip uh sunday was the bug in and uh, was super tired from friday night and, and this weekend was a strange weekend because i'd ended up going by myself i normally have Either uh, my boy with me, or my wife, or or some some of my buddies. So normally I'm rolling pretty good with a crew. Unfortunately, this particular weekend I just didn't have any backup with me, so I was by myself, and it was a bit a of, bit of an ordeal getting everything set up. So by the time I got done setting up Friday and Saturday, and then uh, Sunday morning came, I was super tired because I got to hang out with my boy George McCalluck, 67 Cowlook, I think is his name on Instagram. I'll, I'll confirm that. Got to talk with him. He and I hung out in the lobby of the hotel till about 12:30, and and I get up early, so I was up at five five thirty both mornings come sunday i was super tired rolling into the bug in i come around the corner and the mild the line to get in the bug in was about two miles long and it was father's day and there i was by myself and i thought you know what man wouldn't mind hanging here all day but you know a it's father's day b i'm rolling solo and if i'm gonna be out here in the heat all day i might get a little worn out so i ended up uh saw that two mile line just flipped a u-turn and got on the freeway and headed home so nice surprise for the wife she wasn't expecting me home till late so, they were forced to celebrate Father's Day with me. So, rolled in, got home, and, uh, and just kind of relaxed, put all my stuff away. And it was a scorcher when I got back. So, that was the weekend. It was a good time. I wish I, I, I part of me wishes I'd have stayed for the bug in. Uh, I was just so tired man I was like I just packed it in man packed it in and went and went home so hopefully next year but it was a great weekend a lot of cool a lot of cool people you guys saw a live I did while I was down there I made a little video that you could check out on the YouTube channel so you guys I'm sure you guys will like that the great thing was hanging out with Lonnie and Lonnie's introduced me to you know all kinds of people and I'm going to get Lonnie Reed if you don't know who Lonnie Reed is Lonnie Reed owned a place in the 70s it was called the Head Shop he was one of the leaders in VW head technology back in the you know 70s you know he's in the drag racing scene in the late 60s and the 70s and in the 80s he kind of dipped out of the scene and, and had a career change but he was for sure one of the the leading innovators in head design and if i'm not mistaken uh the wedge port head design was uh something that they had come up with he was one of the few guys that had an actual uh flow flow bench so uh um, he was really pushing the envelope as far as technology goes. He's got a lot of history in the VW scenes. One of the, one of the legends. So we'll be getting Lonnie on the podcast here soon. And I also spent a lot of time hanging out with Rick Sadler and, and really got to know. You know, we always see his yellow bug on the cover. He's been on the cover of Hot VWs twice and the cover of VW Trends, this first issue of VW Trends. And we get to talking. And, and he's just got a history that goes back so far. And there's so many layers to it. And uh, we're going to get him on the podcast as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, it's going to be a great podcast. But while I was there, a gentleman comes up to the booth and Lonnie introduced him and says, hey man, you know the one-piece windows? This is the guy that had the first set of one-piece windows. And that's the guy that's on the podcast today is John Erksie. Uh John Erksy is a guy that's been in the VWC for a long time. He was involved with uh, Andy Costello and their racing group that they had. So he's been building engines for those guys. And helped them out when they were getting started, and, and just kind of became, uh, they were neighborly friends, and it, it's just a great story, but he has the first set of one-piece windows, um, and there's a great story as how those came about, but it, he, he's had his bug for over uh, over 40 years. He's had his bug since the 70s when he was at Bug Inn. Uh, it's still uh, Yellow 67 Cow Looker, another one, and uh, he's He's been around for quite a while. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that he still has his first Volkswagen that he's had for so long, or his first show car VW. But uh, he's definitely... It, it's interesting how you see the scene intertwined between people and guys that were who's who back then, and then today, who they are. So... It's definitely a great story. It's a good uh, good history lesson, and I really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. So, but For shout-outs this week, D, he says, Dublicious Podcast. Hey, man, I really enjoy your podcast. Look forward to every episode. Love it when you go in-depth in history of these awesome vehicles. Keep doing what you're doing, and look forward to seeing you out there at the shows. Uh, Dan Danilo so that's Danilo gives us a five-star review on Apple podcast if you guys go on Apple podcast give us a five-star review I'll give you a shout out on the podcast um, we get a, uh, a listener from way out there he's coming in from Appa Norway. That's right. Leif Grandguard's been listening for a while. He's my guy over there in, uh up in Norway, and he's uh, he's a good he's a faithful listener to the podcast. He hits me up on Instagram. He picked up some merch. And he paid some pretty steep shippings for it, so I'm gonna send him in some extra goodies. Definitely a, a great, a great, great to see the podcast out there in Norway. Like I said, we're around the world. We got listeners all over. So and everybody's really enjoying the content that we're putting out there. So I'm, I, I do it because I love it, guys and uh i appreciate you guys supporting the podcast so those are our people that get shout outs this week we got a great podcast for you this week it's another one filmed live at an event so there's a little bit of background noise but listen it's all good stuff so on this week's podcast the first set of one piece windows with john Erksy on let's talk dubs Okay, everybody. So on today's podcast, I was here at, uh, I'm here in Southern California for the Bug In Weekend. And as we're going through here, my buddy Lonnie Reed, we've been kind of tagging along all week, and he keeps grabbing people like, hey, interview this guy, interview this guy, because Lonnie's been around so long. He knows all the players that have done everything even before my time. And so on today's show, I've got John Irksy from Bellfire, California here, and he's got a surprising story to tell. And as you know, in this, in this podcast, we try to track down some of the history and things that some of the guys in our hobby that were the creators of a lot of things, and, and we're going to get to it, it's going to be a surprise for you guys, but we start the podcast out the same way every time, John. What's your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, I bought my
1: 67 Volkswagen in 1970, the week after I graduated high school, and I... Uh, didn't really do much with it there wasn't much of a scene back in 1970 yeah and uh, I eventually joined a club keep on buggin back in I guess it was late 1971 and there were only like 12 members or something like that but I remember we went to a rally my first navigational rally put on by a club and uh, we were standing in line and At that time, my Volkswagen, I had put flared fenders on it and a little wider wheels with adapters, which everybody was doing then. And I'm waiting in line, and uh, all of a sudden I see about a dozen of these lowered in the front end, no chrome, nice wheels, get into the driveway and then do a little burnout into the parking lot. And I saw that, and I turned to my brother who was with me and said, that's what I got to do to my bug. Right. That was the first time I saw a California look. Didn't know what a California look sure. was at the time. So I, I went ahead and I took the flared fenders off and put the stock metal fenders back on. Got rid of the wide wheels and tires and ordered my MP8 spokes from MP in yeah. Riverside. Got them, put them on, and then put a selector drop in the front. Yeah. Drop it and took the chrome off. And then started the process of turning it into a Cal Look car. <clears throat> and then I uh, took it to my best friend, and he had a body shop. <clears throat> we did all the clean-up body work. There wasn't much to do on it. And what,
0: what color was it originally?
1: It was originally the light blue, 67. Okay. And then I painted it a Ford Grabber blue right yeah. after I got it, and then put the wheels on it. And then when I saw all these other cars, I took the thing into my friend's body shop uh-huh. and I had a, bought a little truck at the time so I had other transportation so it was in his shop for about 8 months I was going over there and working on it Sure, we, we finally painted it yellow rally yellow and uh, my car had got, broken into through the vent window and a couple of stereos got stolen out of it right. speakers, tapes, you know that was kind of common for the day and so my friend told me that a guy at Frank's Glass in Bellflower said that he could put one-piece windows in my doors and eliminate the vent window. So he said, you should go talk to him because I told him about your car. So after I got it painted, I took it over to him. And sure enough, he put the windows in it. We had them tinted and tempered because I had already tinted the rear windows, quarter windows. And, uh, you know, I didn't think much of that. So...
0: After that, I sent my car down to Brad's Auto Upholstery in Orange. Now, for some of those guys that are, are like, some of the younger guys out there that don't know what who Brad's is, Brad's was like the place. It was. It's like if you're getting your VW done, it's going to Brad's. Exactly. Now, what made Brad's like the spot?
1: I had seen some of his work at mm-hmm. the uh, rallies and after the rallies at the Shakeys and stuff, we'd go out and, cruise and check out all the cars, and a lot of the DKP cars had the that upholstery in it and uh, I had just prior to painting the car I had traded my stock front seats for some fiberglass high buckets right high back bucket seats and then I took the uh, rear seat out and I got two little low back bucket seats for the rear yeah just to save weight sure sure and uh, so I decided to send it down to Brad's and uh, while it was down there at his shop, he called me one night and said, Hey, John, you know, there were some guys here looking at your car. They have some questions about it. Can I give your phone number out? Well, sure. And the next night, a guy called me and wanted to know, where
0: did I get those one-piece windows for my 67? And up to this point, in, in an ocean of all cars that are the same, the yellow paint, the Brad's interior, all that stuff is to make your car stand out and be unique, to be your own. Mm-hmm. Had you ever seen any one-piece windows before this? I never had. I, on a split window, or the early bugs. Correct, the early Beatles. It, it was almost, in the world of modern technology, that was going backwards in technology to go to a one-piece window. Yes. But in my case, I didn't want anybody
1: breaking in my car anymore. Right. So uh, we did that, and, and I didn't think anything yeah. about the uh, phone call. Right. And I didn't even know who the guy was when he called me, and... I told him where I got the windows done at right. Frank's Glass, Yeah, and about a week later, Frank's Glass is in the neighborhood I live in, and I just happened to be driving by there and glance in, and there was a bug in there with a deck lid open and 48s, beautiful engine, so I stopped. I went in and I talked to the guy that did my installation of the uh-huh. windows and looked at this car, and it was a beautiful car, it was a show car, and he said he was putting clear glass in the doors. Well, I didn't think much of that anyway. Right. Then, in 14, in April of 1975, I put my car on the show. And I'm sitting there in my little lawn chair next to the car. And people would come by, and they'd walk by the car, and they'd get almost all the way past it. And then they'd stop. They'd back up. They'd back away from the car a little. And they'd look at it. And then goes, this yours? And I'd say, yeah. They'd go, did you chop the top? on that right go no and they go but it looks lower and longer you did something right and then i would say well no more vent window dude where'd you get that done right right i mean i must have said frank's glass a couple hundred times i'm not kidding you everybody was just amazed where'd you get them for a 67 and
0: for a 67 it's a pretty easy swap because the regulator right Right. the regulator lets you just do a one-piece window right away yeah well uh, the story as i found out later was
1: Brad knew a lot of these guys in the scene. Right. And they knew that he knew that they were trying Becker's Body Shop was one and there was a couple others were trying to do it but with a split window regulator. Right. Couldn't make it work and so they gave up on it. And I guess when Brad got in my car and pulled a door panel off to upholstery he saw they just used the stock regulator right and boom, you know. No, that's so rad. and uh, you know, and, and while I was at the car show this tall fella comes up and asks me, has anybody noticed your windows? And I said, "You're actually the first guy." To make a long story short, that was the guy that Brad called. As the story, go- what I really found out, Brad called him and told him, "You got to come and look at this car." It was Dean Kirsten. Oh, really? Yes, Mr. 67, huh. who I've since become friends with. Yeah, me, yeah. You know, over the years, but his was the blue car
0: in Frank's getting the clear glass in and so after this so this is 75 when you get your first set of one piece windows so that that makes your car completely stand out in the crowd and then everybody now they're like okay where'd you get it and like all vw guys as long as you're the first guy that gets it everybody else can copy it after right it's one of those things where you're just like okay yeah but after this becomes like i mean my car right here has one piece windows in it yeah. and one piece windows then became like this turnkey kit that you could buy and did you said it was uh well, ontario motor glass did the one for vw magazine
1: they did a conversion mine was done at frank's glass in bellflower and yeah all those companies then jumped on board with kits for sale but before i was getting ready to go home from the show at the bug in 14 another guy came up and he had a camera and a little bag and stuff and he liked my car noticed the windows and stuff and asked me if i would like my car in the magazine well, duh.
0: <laughs> right. That's like I mean, and what 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 some of the younger generation doesn't know because of all the social media you get stuff overexposed really quick and something can go viral or not. But getting your car in the magazine was like just as good as getting it on the the, the national news. I mean, it was like
1: it was a big thing. Yeah, big, big deal. thing for
0: VW guys. And the guy hands me his card and it was
1: Jim Wright, editor, oh, really? owner and publisher of Hot VW. And so he asked me, "What's the motor like?" and I said, "It's a stock motor, but I have a 1835 I'm building at home, bit detailed." I'll have it done in a couple of months. He said, when you get it done, call me. We'll do a photo shoot. I did that, and I went down to his Hot VWs in Costa Mesa. They shot the car
0: right there in the parking lot. Uh, That wasn't a far stretch for them to prep for the photo shoot. Just, yeah, right here will work, right? First mistake I made with my first photo shoot was... I didn't have anything planned, and I was like just excited to be in the magazine, like, where do you want it? What do we what do we got to do?
1: Exactly. So, my, my, yes. what, what issue Hot VWs was it in? It ended up being in, they shot it in September 1975, it ended up in the second Cal Look edition of Hot VW in June 1976, and back then, everything was still black and white, and my car was featured in another, in an article with about four or five other cars, but it was the only one with one-piece windows, and uh, it got the biggest photo, and then... Once you got past that article, the next two-page spread was the hot new craze for fifty-seven to seventy-two Beetles is the one-piece windows, door windows.
0: And so, when they did the door windows for you, they obviously have to take the check rod out. Uh-huh. Did who fashioned the the clip to, to secure your doors? Like that the, was all done by Frank's glass. They were so a, a, Frank kind of had it had it down. So yeah, they
1: were a regular glass and an automotive glass specialist, right? So they had all the hardware and everything, and and uh, you know they did it and wow <laughs> it uh, still has all the still to this day has all the original hardware and everything on it
0: so everything that that Frank's glass did is still original to that car now you still have this car to today I still have that car today so what's kept you in the VW scene this long
1: actually just the camaraderie of all the clubs huh I like I said I moved away for a year to Phoenix got into road racing with Porsches now and, what did
0: you do with what what, what what do you what did you do for
1: work I was a I, I I was working for my sister and brother-in-law as a hydraulic equipment air compressor mechanic, uh-huh. and then I uh, moved to Phoenix. My brother had been living there, and I went to work at Johnson, Bizzani, Porsche, Audi
0: in the parts department. Oh, really? Yes, and the. Uh, General, now, how does that come? I mean, is this just like you, you're into cars, you like Volkswagens, you're like, oh, I'll apply for this job? Yeah, well, I my brother said, makes sense. Transition I'm a hydraulic repair technician, I'll go sell parts, right? Car yeah. parts, like, there's no lateral move there, but you just go to the counter and apply for the job. So, you get the job at the Porsche dealership. Oh,
1: yeah, got the job, and my brother was a mechanic there. And of course, I meet a bunch of mechanics and I get to know a bunch about the Porsches and stuff. and. Uh, I was there for a year, and that time the general manager of the dealership was a young guy from Newport Beach, actually, yeah. and uh, he had a friend, Jim Busby, who was a big-time Porsche racer, and uh, they got a 914 that was in a fire, and what better car to make into an e-production SCCA racer than something like that? Sure. So they did that, and my brother and I became the pit crew and kind of maintained the car, and, we're pretty successful with the little car.
0: And th- so so then you go on to actually get your hands dirty working on Porsches and stuff like that, being part of the pit crew. Obviously, you got to have a little bit of knowledge and respect to, you know, some of the mechanicals on it. So, mm-hmm. and this whole time you still keep your original cal you're still, you still have your 67? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. I mean, with the amount of cars that I've personally gone through, you know, it's like, and with me the reason i sold him is like i got married i had kids and i got rid of the car and then and then i get it back and now i'm still trying to chase one of the cars that i had from back in the day but i find it amazing that you just kept this car especially with technology right and moving to phoenix so you've got to be for sure committed because it's freaking hot down there and the vw season is probably four four to six months if that because once summer you got yours i'm from vegas and the summer in phoenix lasts a lot longer so how long how long are you in phoenix for i was there
1: for uh just under a year i moved back to southern california in 74 Uh and uh uh then i built my first engine for my bug because uh, a friend of mine was a heavy duty mechanic at a dealership right and he kind of coached me along and how to do it and we lightened the flywheel and ate dowdy crank you had rimco machine do all the work uh put dual port heads on it i put the uh Zenith carburetor on it and stuff like that it was just a 1776 but it was a lot of fun you know and I I enjoyed doing that and it ran really good and then a friend of mine had a bug and blew the motor up and so I rebuilt that one just a stock rebuild but each time I'm learning a little yeah and uh, then I broke the transmission in it and uh, probably close to 1978 79 uh, and um, by racing dumping the clutch and it sure took care of that transmission and uh, I read this little ad in Hot VW Magazine for the Mikey 5-speed conversion kit yeah. out of Oregon. So I called them and I ordered the kit, I took the transmission over to Dave Folt's transmission who was in La Habra at the time and he converted it over to a 5-speed. Really? And the neat part was is I had to drill a little tiny hole for a nut just behind the rear seat sheet metal, other than that it was a bolt-in deal.
0: And do you still have the five-speed today? Same thing, yep. So is it completely different than Berg's five-speed kit? Because you said this guy's out of Washington? Out of Oregon. Out of Oregon. And it's no
1: longer available. It only was available for a number of years, and then I guess they they
0: really gave up on it, yeah. And And Berg's took over. Yeah, so you've been pretty pretty soft on the five-speed kit, like not breaking it down. Right. Never had to rebuild it in all these years. No. No. And so it's a close ratio, first through fourth, with a stock fourth for fifth. Uh, no, actually, it's a it's a
1: stock first and second, a short third, a short fourth, and an 71 fifth on a 412 ring and pinion. Got it. So, so it's got the short four gears, which I've raced it at the quarter mile, and it I get into fourth and get almost wound tight in fourth at the end. And what's that car? What now? What motor are you running in it now? Now I have a motor that I just built. It's a
0: 2387 with Fred Simpson's heads. So we're jumping ahead a little a little oh, fast yeah. here. So now you move back, it's the mid-70s, you start building your own engines. Right. Then I, I, after I put the five-speed in, I wanted
1: a little more power, so I built a nice little two-liter right. with a few more tricks and this and that and the other, you
0: know, and it was real fast. Now you knew Lonnie back in those days. <laughs> I
1: knew of Lonnie. I wasn't personally, but, but he Lon- was at the races but all But he the time. was kind of a big deal oh, back yes. then. Like, yes, Lonnie, Lonnie was
0: the guy, and he was the head technology. There was a couple guys doing heads back then Mm -hmm. and so this is before the big big stroker cranks and all that stuff's coming out so what's the what's the next thing after the five speed you want to bump up your motor what you built you want to build a two liter so what do you do then
1: i I get the 74 millimeter stroker crank and Mm -hmm. i buy the 90 millimeter pistons and cylinders and i get the heads from AutoCraft. I spent a lot of money at AutoCraft and Johnny Speed and Chrome over on Beach Boulevard in yeah. Buena Park. Yeah. And uh, luckily my own sister owned a business and I was able to use her resale number and get the parts to the back free. counter <laughs> at Auto House. So that was kind of good. And uh, uh, But then so I built the two liter mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it on the top end was very fast. Very really. fast, yes. Especially with the five-speed. I mean, Yes. Because, you know, y- there's always the give and take, and if you've got a fast street car, that means you, you don't go on the freeway. All those guys that have the fast car for, for Saturday night. They take the surface streets there. Yes. And then they're like, ah, this guys. So, and not a lot of people would shot the money for a five-speed kit. Now I want to ask this question. Brad's upholstery, and I, and I wanted to ask this question when we were talking about that. But for Brad's upholstery, what would it cost to do the Brad's upholstery? Like what's the all in price to do your upholstery back? Back then? when I did it, uh-huh. I believe I spent $400. At 400 bucks was I mean that's 2 weeks 2 weeks pay at least yeah, so yeah. back yeah. then. So it's equivalent to 2 weeks 2 weeks pay of an average individual. What did it cost you for the one piece window kits? Uh I think I paid $70. No no, I take that back. It was $100. $100 to and you brought the car there, picked it up, door panels come off, they do the whole thing and you get it and tinted the windows at the yeah.
1: same time. I actually only got the driver's side window in it, because they only had one that was tinted and tempered, and I had to wait three weeks till they got the other one, and then I took it back and he put it in. And this was tinted glass? Yes. Wow. With the safety liner in the middle and everything. Wow. The rear windows were the stock ones that I just sprayed the tint
0: on. Right. And so. It's a spray on tint. And this one had the the fused in the glass tint, the tint between the glass. Right. So now you're building two-liter motors, and you're back here, and so what brings you back to Southern California? Well, I, I uh, family, and uh,
1: I didn't like the heat, and all my friends were here, and the VW scene was starting to kinda yeah. jump Think up, off. you know, and then I, I uh, was taking some college classes, and I actually met my first wife in there, and, yeah. and got married, and then I took another job. I worked at Downey Volkswagen for a while in parts, and uh, then I left that and went to work at UPS, which was kind of a neat deal. I started part-time. And they paid pretty well, and I'd work at nights, and then I'd fiddle around with Volkswagens and help guys out with Volkswagens during the day and made a little extra cash there. Yeah. And then I went full-time. They offered me a delivery job, and so I took it, and that turned out to be pretty interesting. I ended up, my route was the Hollywood Hills above Hollywood, and I met many, many, many so all many the celebrities, celebrities were your UPS route, huh? Uh, Jay Leno. and Yeah. Jay, oh, I could name them on and off. Uh, Joe Walsh uh, signed for packages, uh, Jackson Brown, those are just a few, you sure. know, uh, Lily Ruth Buzzy and uh, Bonnie Raitt, and uh, Jack Nicholson actually signed for me a lot of times, you know, I delivered to a house up in the hills, nicely secluded, yeah, beautiful view of the valley, and... He signed a couple times for me. Generally, it was the guy that would open the gate for me, and he'd sign them. Right, right. Interesting job. And then I left that, and I got into machining and tool and die making. Became a machinist, because my sister and brother-in-law's business
0: that I worked for when I was younger, they had a lathe and a uh, drill press. So you knew your way around the stuff. No formal training, just kind of like, yeah, here's how we work this. Right, yes,
1: yes. And so I took a job at a place that build dies, and I ended up, staying in that till I retired about two months ago.
0: And so how long did
1: you build tools and dyes for? Oh gosh, it was 40 years at least. And That's I really incredible. enjoyed it because that was like, I took s- s- uh, metal shop in, in junior high school. Yeah. And I loved it, you know. <laughs> then I took wood shop, then I took print shop, and, and print shop turned out pretty lucrative. When I went in the 10th grade, my high school for their newspaper, they had linotypes and they printed it on the campus, and they paid me $2, or, I think a dollar fifty an hour for two hours work every day after school, and I'd wow. run a linotype. To... So it was an interesting deal, but I really liked the machine deal. I and mean, when I got back into
0: it, I really got into it. Yeah. And th- so, did you ever use your experience as in, in the machining world to do stuff for Volkswagens, like to make parts and things of that extent? Mm-hmm. Not so much,
1: make, but well, I could modify some existing parts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, but it sure gave me an insight as to how the manufacturing process worked. And what tolerances were like and what you could get away with and stuff and then racing the cars too. Uh, I built a, an engine for Tommy Costello, Andy's Costello yeah. from the German auto days.
0: And how did you meet those guys? Uh, they
1: were local guys and I met them through uh, mutual friends of mine and then they found out, oh you got a Volkswagen and and so yeah and then I built a motor for Tommy and it was pretty quick for his black car that he still has yeah. today. Yeah, I talked it's to Tommy here. yesterday a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then Andy, his younger brother, bought a Bug, and sure enough, we built a big motor for his car. And then he went street racing with it a lot and got caught. And so they took his license for like six months and fined him a big fine. And I told him at the time, I said, you know, they're starting this super street class. Uh, Maybe you should want to try that. And so we looked into it, and he said, yeah, we'll do that. So we did that, and I think we started back in uh, late 80s, 89 or something like that. Yeah. And then he raced it for like, well, all the way till he passed away, or well, 95, and then he yeah. moved up to pro stock. And then late after that, unfortunately, cancer took him away yeah. from us. So, but uh, he did really well in it, and uh, I was actually he was still driving it on the street. Luckily, his job was a straight shot pretty much from his house. <laughs> Almost a quarter mile. Five. Yeah. So, with the, so, you know, with the, the, with the uh, super diff in there, you know it wasn't tick 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 when he'd go around corners, and and uh, then he finally bought a little truck, and and we uh, took his car
0: off the street and went full on pro street. But and what, what was that car running at its fastest? So were you, were the whole time, Andy and those guys are racing. You're part of their yeah group. Yes, it was, it was
1: all part of the crew, you know. And uh, what were he, you? What were you guys running at the fastest? Well, car in '94 and '95, I mean, he was running like in points third in points, fifth in points, and then in 94, he won the championship, ran 10.30 at 133 miles an hour.
0: Now, that's all all, all motor? S-
1: all motor, yeah, and an all-steel car. Headlights work, taillights work. He didn't raise the torsion bars up five inches like the class allowed to do. No fiberglass front end, no fiberglass. I mean, it was a street car because he wanted to put it back on the street Sure, when he quit racing it. And so... Uh, the car was very fast. My brother fabbed up a couple of uh, some trick transmission mounts that we could raise the tranny up about an inch or so. That was it. And in fact, I had to take the the car. The engine was so wide when we ran the 2.5 liter with the Scat three piece case. Uh, it was so wide I had to shave the two fins off the top of the valve covers to get it up in there because Andy didn't want to cut them little. Pieces out of the yeah. engine compartment, <laughs> and that car still sits in Tommy's garage at his parents' house today. Oh, that's awesome! And then, in that deal, when we started going 105, 107 miles an hour, a, uh, it, Andy said it started getting a little dicey at the top end, right. floating around. We had casted the front end wheels back, and so we put a Herod's helper on it, and it settled the car down. He yeah. was happy with that. Then yeah. when we went bigger with the bigger motor, and he started doing 120 and 125, he told me, uh, it's getting dicey on the top end again. So my brother, who was into sprint cars.
0: Right, and nine, he, knows,
1: he knows the value of a wing. Oh, yes. So we, uh, my brother fabbed a real nice wing for it and settled the car right back down again. And he was happy and went back out. And then at the awards banquet in 95, after his second championship, he was approached by... Uh, um, Gosh, getting old, my memory is Is going away. Oh, Reynolds and Lanning, and they had run a pro-stock car. And they came and approached Andy and asked him if he'd like to run their car because they didn't have the funds to run it in 96. So he said, sure, because it used the same motor combination. So we took and put Andy's motor in there and his wheels and tires and a few other things, his seat. And son of a gun, he went out and won the championship in pro-stock in 96. Really? Yeah, and then like I say he had a brain tumor come along and yeah. that took him out for a little while and then he got back in it and drove a few cars for guys and but you know and then unfortunately we lost him so
0: yeah it's a, you know it's and so
1: I learned a lot building those motors yeah and, and I, so, I, I actually taught Andy and, and he did the last few motors
0: that he ran him and so Tom you, you taught him how to build engines yeah and you know the, the crazy part is like you become this organic pit crew for these kids in the neighborhood that want to go racing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh-huh. like, you're like, eh, I like it. That's not bad. I'll help you guys build your engines and stuff. Sure. And just organically, it turns into like, you guys, here's just guys, no sponsors, no anything. And you just kind of go out there and, and see what you can do. You know yeah. what I mean? And that natural competitive nature that starts way back in the beginning of your hobby when you have a bug and you want it to look different. Yes. You want to set apart from the rest of the guys. Although we've got the same, mine's a little bit different. Right. You know what I mean? Or a little bit faster. And or a little bit. Yes. You know. Always a little bit faster. Yeah. Always. Always. Mm-hmm. And so you're, the evolution of your car, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed. And I don't know, maybe because I'm a younger generation, right? Mm-hmm. I, like magazines were the thing for me, right? And I don't know if it's just this obsession I have that I want to own one of everyone <laughs> or... You know, like, because I go back to thinking of my first car and I think, like, why didn't I keep it? Why did I sell it? Like, and now I want it back if I could find it, you know? And to be content with just one car. And I, it, for me, it may, you know, might have to, I mean, me psychoanalyze myself, it might be the fact that I grew up with no money and when I finally got a few shekels together, I'm like, well, oh, I can buy that and I can have it, And but sometimes it's like, one, you know, you have more cars, you have more problems. You know, every, there's mm-hmm. always something that needs a little bit of work. Yes. I'm just amazed that you still own that same car. Yeah. Well, after I, f- I Is I that car here today? I don't have it here today. I've got the
1: motor. I, w- I, I wanted to try and get it. I buggered up my knee a week ago, so that took me away from working on it. But the motor is actually on DBK's test stand at my house, but I've just got to get a stronger starter to get it to turn over faster. Because you run in real high compression? No, I'm only running about nine and a half to one. I want really? to keep it low for the street. I figure 2387 with Fred's big heads on it, and the 48s, Derry Berg rework, and Tommy Costello rework. And these are—it's an, going to go plenty fast with the five-speed. And these are an,
0: these are an old set of Fred Simpson heads. Uh, no, I just got these from him, uh, well, I got them from him about four or five years ago. Now, is Fred still doing stuff, or he's retired? No, he's
1: semi-retired. He's moved, he's got away from the shop. I talked to him last night at the cruise night, DK, DKP deal, and he's working at the shop kind of part-time, and Jeff Sheen, another friend of mine from Lakewood, who's a Volkswagen nut, he's working with Fred and learning as much as he can, you know. Well,
0: but, that's the crazy part, is there's there's so much years, time, and lessons learned that it's not you can show someone just how to do something they get it done you know it, it it takes it it's like me i was trying to tell my son something the other day and i kept thinking like why isn't he listening to me why is not he listening to me but he just there's something that you have to learn on your own through the experience but the wealth of experience that all these guys have out there is just incredible you know to be able to to, to have all those years of drag racing what works what doesn't work grinding this doing that you know how, how do these different things affect the performance on the on the car you know what i mean so fred's been a wealth of information and one of the leaders in head technology and whatnot and you know everybody's got their different schools of thought when it comes to performance especially heads because we we know that the majority of your power comes from heads and cam yeah. and, and and carburation right yeah. I mean, you get that air pump moving you know there's these mouse motors, little 1600s that are cranking. You know, I think one guy's in, in Sweden is trying to get a, a 1600 up to like 200 horsepower. Right. You yes. know, so pretty incredible. It, it, it's interesting where you got guys like Fred Simpson who, uh, and now he had some special heads made at one time for, him, for, for his company, did he? Yes, I believe he did. Some like super high output heads or something to that effect.
1: That's what Andy ran on the big 2.5 liter. Yeah. Three piece case. Yeah. Yeah. And they, when Fred came on board, it dropped us three-quarters of a second. Really? Yes. It wow. really made a difference. You know, Andy went out and won some championships. And he picked up German Auto, which was a locally in Norwalk, who recently just shut down. But they helped him out, and he could go over there and work on their stuff. Andy actually learned a lot of stuff, went over and used their mill and their machining equipment to fiddle around and do stuff for his motor. Wow. And, you know, and then they'd give him a little bit every now and he'd win and, it, and helped him out like that. But. Yeah, and uh, there were a few other people that
0: came on board, you know, and helped him out. I just, there. I just find it incredible that there's all these tentacles in the hobby that cross over with all these people from different, different parts and pieces of the hobby where everything comes together, and something that's not such a big deal, like oh, I, I'm tired of my car getting broken into. I'm going to go get some, yeah, go see the Frank's Glass. I'll do one piece windows for you, and then you go there, and now, and now he's doing. You know, this guy started. Then the one-piece window glass craze comes about because this yes. guy probably vent windows were like the thing with car technology back then, and probably a lot of it was a good breaking point for a lot of vehicles. And this guy, glass guy, said, "Hey, cut that bar out, put this one-piece window in," and you know. So, I I just find yes. it amazing that these things, that but they become part of part of the check marks of bringing something into a certain style or design or you know and, and and then to go from that to the costellos and racing with those guys and their and their history and all for the love of the hobby nobody's getting paid for any of this i don't get paid for this podcast it's i do it because i want to give back to the hobby for so much enjoyment it's given to me Exactly,
1: you know? it's the satisfaction of, of helping others, yeah, really, and, and sharing that knowledge.
0: Yeah, it's just incredible. So, what's the specs on the car now? You said you got a new motor. It's over at DBK because you're just a few steps from Pip's place, the compound, right? Exactly. And so, what's what's the specs on the new motor for your car?
1: It's it's funny. Uh, Fred Simpson did the heads, mm-hmm. and they're forty eight by thirty six or forty six by thirty eight valves with his trick job porting and everything. Those are some big and valves. And he He set the car up for a certain cam and my son was working at the time, my oldest son was working for Andy Schaus at SoCal Imports Mm -hmm. and they own Engel Cams and I got to meet Chris who runs Engel Cams over there in Paramount and uh, Fred said, here's the specs I'd like to get for the cam. A custom
0: spec, make a cam to these specs. Yes,
1: and so I took it over to Chris and asked him do you have anything like this and he says no. But he says, we can grind you one-off. So really? they did. Yeah, it's insane. And it's a, it's a hybrid, FK44, FK45. And it's set up two Fred Simpson specs on the heads so we can get the most power out of the heads. Yeah. Which heads and cam, like you said, make big, a big biggest difference. Yeah, yes. You
0: get a good set of heads and a nice cam on that car, and it, it just changes the attitude of everything.
1: I really wanted to have it out here and drive it because that's the biggest motor I've ever built and uh, for yeah. my car. And uh, unfortunately, I ran into some problems and I injured my knee, So, but it's getting better. But Bob, who works at the compound, Bob Lacoste, yeah. who's just here taking he's pictures. He's a great guy. But yeah, he's he's going to come over and he's going to bring another Magneto and we're going to make sure we got everything just right. And So this motor
0: that's in so your car, street car still? Oh, yes. You'll drive in the street with a mag. Oh, yes. is it, is it Now, you don't have a live axle in it. That I means it's, it's a regular... transaxle transaxle Trans right. uh-huh. And then... Has Have you gone through the tranny? We talked about the tranny, but have you gone through it? All just just
1: the, when Dave Fultz built the five-speed. That's it. The
0: car has actually sat for probably the last
1: 12 to 13 years because of life kind of came up. Yeah. My sons came in the picture. And, but luckily, I was driving it when they were little up till the time they were eight or nine years old. So they got to get the scene and come to the shows yeah. with me. And then in, in their junior year of high school, when they were getting ready to get their license, We went out, and they wanted to get a bug, so we went out and we got a couple of project cars. One of them was uh, the ex-Dylan Venegas uh, drag car without a motor, and uh, my oldest one bought that, and then we built a motor out of a lot of spare parts I had laying around and built a nice little motor, and then he raced it and drove it through high school. And uh, my younger son then, he came along, and we bought a, a 65 that was black, but it was all in pieces, the transmission was there. There was no motor, had disc brakes all around, had uh, uh, BRMs, not the originals, but the VRM right. wheels. And so he spent the summer at the house building that car, putting it all together. So I'm not afraid of their wrenching abilities. They yeah. know what they're doing. And then when they were real little, what I do is every Wednesday night, I go down to Slick Track, Go-Kart World in Carson. And people have a bowling league. Well, we all, all us racers, we have a racing league. So we a bunch of racers show up there every Wednesday night, and we run 120 laps. Yeah, 120 laps on a, a slick go-kart. oval with yeah. uh, powder in the corners. And we take the little cars that they have for the kids that are running a little less than half throttle, and we crank them up full throttle. And then we do the 40 laps. <laughs> and boy, it's it's a heck of a lot of fun. It keeps and and when my boys were old enough to get on that or tall enough to get on that track, I took them down there all the time. So they'd learn how to control a car on a slide Yeah, and car
0: control. And well, they... I, I think being a car guy, you know, w- one of the things is when you can pass it on to your kids, yeah. like my son is as big a car goofball as I am. I mean, every time I look, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, check this out on Marketplace. Look at this deal. And I'm like, get off of there, you idiot. What do you need? More problems? Haven't I taught you enough? Yes. But it's like it becomes in their blood. They just love, you know, the the, the experience, the driving, the, the, you know what they what I think it is, I I talked to to my brother-in-law one time we were driving in my bus and he's not a car guy and he says, man, this is crazy. Like everybody's staring at you, driving yes. this thing. Like everybody's waving, everybody's this. And I said, yeah, that's what happens when you become a, a curbside superstar, man. Like people just, you're just rolling down the street and everybody's just waving at you and all this stuff. And I said, that's part of the thing. And I think when we're kids, you know, for me, I remember there was, a, there was a guy around the corner from where I lived in a 57 Chevy, Candy Apple Red. Probably something I wouldn't look at twice today, but jacked up, slot mags, the whole deal. And I remember seeing that car thinking like, man, that guy's so cool. Yeah. That looks just like my Hot Wheels. That guy must be real cool. You know what I mean? But, sure. you know, we get that that bug in us. And my dad wasn't really a car guy, but I became a car guy because it was to teleport me out of my neighborhood and and, and expand my wings. And then when I found other car guys that were into Volkswagens, and then there's something particular about, especially in Southern California, in in the car culture here, something particular about Volkswagens. Because Volkswagens, they're even out here the underdogs because the car culture is so rich out here between hot rods and rat rods and, and pro street cars and all this kind of stuff. But there's just something to be said about those slick little bugs that just run around town and meet up at the street races and kind of hand you your lunch you know what i mean yes and and so there's definitely something because i have other cars besides a volkswagen Mm -hmm. but i mostly have volkswagens and oh yes and there's something about that underdog mentality yeah really you know like well not so fast let me just take that lane from you you know what i mean oh yeah so i i enjoy that i'm glad that you're able to share that with your kids you know what i mean and then you know the, the the story that you have of of getting into this hobby with just you know wanted to be cool and have a cool car, and yeah. then it just grows into a whole lifestyle for us. You know what I mean? It's like something we seek. And, and I when I did the one piece windows, I didn't think anything of it. And
1: I tell people nowadays I should have patented that idea.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's just it's just you know it, it's so it, it, it's so. Uh, serendipitous how these things happen i found a a time to use the word how these things happen where there's this unexpected tidal wave of things that happen after the fact and it's so cool looking back and knowing that we can be a part of that history yeah you know oh yeah yeah i I I don't take it for granted that's for sure I, i i think it's incredible man and i'm i'm so thankful for your story because i try to try to figure out like what was the first who's the first guy to do that you know i had uh um creighton mueller on the podcast not a lot of people know who he was he lived in san diego he's a hot rodder first chopped the beetle in 1955 oh yeah chopped it he still owns it to this day he's 85 years old he's living up in in uh in oregon and uh he went on to do several other things but this chopped bug is it is hot rotted to the nth degree but and what i mean by hot rotted like He tried to fit in with the hot rod crowd and really realized that, you know, they weren't super accepting of Volkswagens. In the early days, it was
1: tough. You know, guys would frown on you. I grew up with a lowrider, my first car, a 59 Chevy Impala two-door hardtop. Really? And I lived right on the very end of Bellflower Boulevard, a block away, and in the... 70, uh, 68, 69, 70, 69 and 70. Oh, the boulevard was hot. My, so did you have
0: lake pipes on it or baby moons? I had or, the bellflower The tips bellflower coming, tips.
1: Yeah, you know, coming out and it had a 348 in it and it was lowered,
0: had chrome rims. and Now the bellflower tips, are they named after bellflower California? Like out of exhaust or is that just where it, the name it, comes it's from? It's possible. I mean, and uh, I remember Gene's
1: mufflers over on Lakewood Boulevard at the time did everybody's mufflers and sold a lot of wheels and tires. Collins muffler over there. Off of uh, close to Belfar Boulevard, they'd sold,
0: put the tips on and mufflers and
1: now, wheels and everything. Now the Impala
0: so, you had, the 59 Impala, what kind of wheels did you have on it?
1: They were just uh, deep reverse chrome wheels with the 63 uh, Chevy
0: hubcaps on them. Yeah, so and, just kind of l- mild custom stuff to do to just trick it up a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. you 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 played a little bit in like the low rider world and then but we always it's the same thing with me. I had I had a low ride out of seventy six cutlass on fourteen seven reverse McLean's. Mm-hmm. I end up getting carjacked in it and I said, oh. I, I'm going back to Volkswagens. They don't mess with you at Volkswagens. No one's trying to steal your stuff in Volkswagens. You know right. what I mean? Like it's just a it's just a different crowd. But yeah. you know, I, I think a car guy is a car guy, right? Yeah. And then a VW guy can love all Brands, but we always get drawn back to these Volkswagens. Oh yeah! Like I said, when I was
1: younger, I even before I had a driver's license, I was racing my brother-in-law's hydroplane. <laughs> you know, because he flipped it at the river at a race, and my sister was pregnant with their first child, and she didn't want him driving, so I was his pit crew. So I got to, to drive, and you didn't need a driver's license; you just had to be able to drive it. So,
0: so w- we got off track a little bit. Your your one-off cam for uh-huh. your motor. This new motor is a 2387. Yes. What's the What's the build sheet on it? What's carbs? I mean, obviously 48s. 48s that have been gone through, and uh, Tommy
1: Costello reworked them and everything, and then I just uh, put some Gary Berg fluted Venturis or Berg fluted Venturis in there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still have to get it running. It's all complete. Yeah. It's no longer like the days where you could put a motor in and about... A half an hour 20 minutes with these big everything's you got it it's a whole ordeal oh yes it is you know i always tell people about the trick deal that fred simpson and zuby foster used to pull off at the buggins with the two-man engine pull yeah and i ask them how long do you think it would take to do all this and i'll explain what they had to do and they'd look and go oh a half an hour or so and then when i tell them two minutes and 31 seconds they just they're flabbergasted no yeah. way you know but it's fred crazy. told me a while back uh they did that 20 times in his driveway the Saturday before the bug-in, just to practice. Just to practice. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's so, incredible. But but the the 2387 is the Fred Simpson heads. They're really poly, polished, and ported, nice. I've Nine to met, one
0: compression. What are you running for crankcase?
1: Uh, uh, it's just a stock case that's been reworked. You know, the late model one, the real good one, and uh, crank. Crank is a, a CB performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a lot of my stuff at... Uh, Wedge Mated? Or no? Yeah, it's Wedge Mated by Donnie Carricker, who's like two miles from my house. And he does a lot of that for a lot of the companies. So I just dri- I can go get it 8 o'clock at night call Donnie. Hey, yeah, I'll drop it off. I'll pick it up next night or a couple nights later, you know. So he's really helped out a lot. And uh, and what's your best time in that car? I haven't driven the, with that yet. What? I, I did not with the well, big not with motor. this motor. The last motor that was in there as well. The, the little the the 1773 uh-huh. when I drag raced it this is back in 74 yeah mm-hmm. I went um, actually it was 1975 I went uh, 1230 oh, come on at 100 miles an hour no way yeah and that was with the stock gearbox I didn't have the five-speed in it then and that was only I was in third gear at the top end of the, St-
0: hold on stock ratio yes trans uh-huh in that 67 bug 1773 what was the compression on that thing? Uh, probably 10 to 1. So you're running 10 to 1 compression yeah, with 48s. So 10 to 1 with 48 IDAs. Yep. And what kind of heads? Uh, they were just off the shelf
1: at uh, Auto House, 45 by, or 40 by 37 and a half. No real big port. What job Or anything.
0: Engel 120. A one. Twenty cam, yeah. light flywheel. You're running 12s. What? How? How, how heavy a flywheel? Um, thirteen point one. I went. I'm sorry. Thirteen point one.
1: Yeah, at 100 miles an hour, thirteen point one three seconds. Wow. And and it was still had. I only just had the one seat in it because I the two rear seats the fiberglass they're not even bolted in they're just for show right and I just have the one seat in it and my seat belt and I put a
0: four-point roll cage in it you ever weigh the car
1: uh, it weighs about 1850
0: or so closest like close to stock pretty close to stock. yeah I mean, kind li- of.
1: slightly lightened yeah uh, just did, got rid of the stock interior and put that's basically how I lightened it but then you put the roll bar in and it's yeah so you, not, you not still have not. the Brad's interior yes do you? Yes, yes, I do. It's held up all those years? No, the seats actually, the front seats actually got worn out uh, and I took them finally to uh, Collins uh, Auto Trim and uh, they just redid the front seats for me. Now, but did the, you use any kind of special fabric from back in the 70s on those? He was able to find the same pattern, it's out of a 71 Chrysler New Yorker. He actually had me go to him and look through all his books. That he has with the upholsteries in him, really. And I was spent about two hours at his shop one time, and I came across it, and it's seventy-one New Yorker Chrysler. And he <laughs> said, "I don't know if I can get it, but I'll see." When he did, uh, it cost me double of what the entire interior <laughs> did from Brad, it. just for that material. Yeah, I'll I believe it. Him do it. But they're done now, and they and you
0: found the original material, like or, original uh, Nos bolt of that fabric. Yes, yes, that's incredible. Because I, you know, I talked to Frenchie a little while back. He's my ex brother-in-law.
1: I married his sister. My boys are his nephews. Get out of here!
0: No. This is insanity. The the, the, the the like I said this this the intertwining the of intertwining the... of this is yes. incredible. So French is the one you're referring to in Phoenix.
1: Well, I didn't when you know moved. him then because okay. I got married later. But then when I met him, and when I met him and my wife at the time my girlfriend. She saw I had a Volkswagen, and that's when she said, oh, you ever heard of Frenchie? And I go, yeah. And she goes, well, that's my brother. <laughs>
0: No way. Because he, I think he had his done at Brad's, but he would do like this crazy ultra something fabric. They used the biscuit pattern, I think they called it. But he used like like modern day couch material back in the 70s. Like right. real bushy, knotted kind of stuff that you don't want to drop chip flakes in it. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. potato chip stuff. Yeah.
1: Frenchie, he was thinking ahead. He was thinking out
0: of the box. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, point. that's wild. So that's, that's insane. And his
1: wife... Uh-huh. I didn't know this until I met her and I recognized her from when I was in the fifth, sixth, seventh grade. We went to a church in Long Beach. She was going to that church and we were in the same <laughs> Sunday school class. Gee. That's
0: insane. Yeah, That is just a small it's, world. It is. It, it's, it's a small world. And I'm loving to be able to connect the dots, especially for our listeners, because our listeners just they love it because, we, you know, you see what you see in the magazine. You know what you know, but you don't know who knows who and whose friends are <laughs> who and who married, whose sister and all this stuff. Yes. But as those things start to unfold, we get to know some of everything that's going on. And so, yes. you know, one of the things that I'm that I'm looking to get some information on with with Rick, I'm going to be doing a, a podcast with him in a little bit is some of the Johnny Speed and Chrome stuff. Yes. You know, because as a, as a teenager, which I was when they were in the 80s, when they were kind of the rage, it was like, oh, Johnny. I, I I get into Volkswagens playing video games, and I'm taking a break, waiting my turn, and I'm looking at the magazine rack, and I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, huh, 1988 VW trends. This is cool. Hey, yes. I might like. So that's, that's where I dive into the scene, right? Uh-huh. Taking a break, playing video games, and start doing that. Yes. But that's where the. So to me. Zero, where the world begins, is 1988. And so all the digging I'm doing back, 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 back into the past is to kind of make these connections, which um, I tell you, I can't I can't thank you enough for for sitting down with me to give me some of this insight and, and all of this, that all these dots that are being connected, that my generation, we're all up to speed from 88 and on. You know, 85, 87, 88 and on moving forward. But all of this before, is stuff that for for us it wasn't old enough to be history yet yeah does that make sense oh yeah perfect sense because it was two years ago five years ago ten years ago no big deal we're moving on from that but now we're piecing together all the pieces of history as it all came came together so oh yeah so Uh, when when are we going to see this bug out uh i want to have it out for sure i'll have it at
1: uh at uh, Irwindale for the, uh, dr- not the drag day, not the bug in. So Irwindale drag day, you'll be there. Right. I'd like to try and make even a cars, carbs and coffee that DKK puts out, you yeah. know. Uh, it, it depends what happens when Bob comes over with these extra little parts we'll put in and see if we can sure. get it to fire up.
0: Now, do your boys, your boys both still have Volkswagens? No,
1: they don't. They, they now have... One of them has a 08 Z06 Corvette that he did the small block 427 in. And, yeah. and it's got like 670 horsepower. My other son, he had a Datsun 280Z he went and bought back in Iowa that had 875 horsepower with a small block Gen 4 turbo <laughs> oh. with a big turbo sticking out. And that thing went uh, 160 miles an hour and uh, 8.5 five seconds the guy that built it back in ohio yeah when he brought it out here it's still got the parachute on the back and it was street legal he got it registered and put california plates on it that's and crazy. it was street legal he sold it and now he's got a dodge hellcat that he's done a lot of work and it's
0: pushing 850 horsepower and yeah that's so, a, but it's good so they're they, still into the cars. yeah the kids the kids are still into the hobby and, and, and your hobby pushed them into the hobby and that's what i mean i think it's yeah yeah go ahead I think that's the greatest thing we can do as you know, because when you can share that hobby with your kids and get that same enthusiasm, even though, you know, what they do is, you know, they've kind of, quote unquote, moved on from Volkswagens. Oh, yeah. But it's still there. Yeah. They'll be somewhere, someone, and, and they'll see someone at Volkswagen. and say, yeah, you know, my dad. You know, had one of those, and I had one growing up, and so everybody's got that connection. So all the time they'll come with a little story about, oh, so and so's got. I was telling about your car. And
1: stuff, yeah. You know? So
0: now you're retired, you get to spend a lot of time with the Volkswagen, tinkering and doing whatever. Right. Yeah. What's so? You had your 1776. You ran 13 seconds in it. The 1783, next 1783 actually. 1780. What's the displacement? 1783. 74 by 90. Oh, that's right. The NPR 90s. Yes. Because I did a podcast with Joe Horvath. Oh, yes. And he told me the story about the 90s. Right. The 90s that were exclusive to him and one other guy that went in on him, Partners, to go get a made, And then the Japanese market starts selling them to everybody. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> they still sure did. But it's, you know, so it's 70, 73 by 90 or 74 no, s- by 90? 70, uh, 74. 74 by, by 90. 90. Yep. And you ran 13 seconds in that. That's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> you know. I mean, and I, it that, had
1: undercoat on it, and it's, it was
0: kind of a, still a heavy stock bug. And but. so the twenty three eighty six you've had there for a while. What's the best time you had with that motor? Well, I haven't put that in yet, but I'm. But previously, so this is this is the first motor you're doing since the seventeen seventy six or seventeen. Uh, no, I had the two liter, and that thing would go.
1: That thing would go fast enough down the ninety one freeway early, early, early in the morning when there's nobody on on the freeway. And I had a friend of mine pace me with another car that we knew the speedometer was correct. And I got going and I had in fifth gear and I got going and all of a sudden the car just started to move to the right without me moving the steering wheel. So I shut off and hit the flashlight so the guy could see how fast we were going. He said 121 and I still had about 1500 RPM left. So, but the air, you know, it's well, like Andy's car, you end up having one, to put the wing on it. When
0: I did a podcast with Ron Loomis, we talked about. It. He said that the shape of a Volkswagen is exactly an airplane wing, like a wing, exactly. And that's why the wing. He said one of the biggest, the, the biggest game changers in the drag racing scene is the wing. Yes, because Absolutely. without that wing, yeah, you're going for a ride. Yeah, as don't. the Germans say, kaput. Yeah, and <laughs> it is. It's it's flat on the bottom, and and it has that. Yeah, it just has that like a wing. Yeah, it's incredible. Exactly. So. Well, man, I, I listen, I've really enjoyed our, our conversation. I'm looking forward to see. So are, are you going to run the car there, Uh I would, I'm would. i not sure. I think probably what I'll do is I'll just take it there
1: because I don't want to break the Mikey five-speed. If I do, I, it's like Fred said, you'll be rolling off the gear and f- rolling out in first, and once you get into second and get it going, then you'll stab it. Right. Because if you do, if you don't, you'll shred the ring and pinion. Yeah. And that's what got me when I was racing it before, broke the ring and pinion. I put slicks on it. Went to the bug in and broke
0: it. No more slicks. No more slicks. You're better to have some tires spin <laughs> yes. than have to buy a new yeah. ring and pinion. So with the tranny, if you break that tranny, you probably can't. It'd probably be not easy to find.
1: Um, uh, I would have to go to Dave Foltz and see if he could custom fix it. Weld know, but it I or, don't want to, you know. Or the only other thing would go to a Berg, you know, and then you have to modify your
0: little no, bit of body no. work. Behind so the yours, seat. so yours doesn't have an extended nose cone. No. It all fits inside the yeah the, the gear carrier.
1: what it was 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 uh, Mikey would send you the fifth gear carrier which was an inch and three quarters wide uh-huh. and you put that in but then he'd sell you his nose cone which was an inch and three quarters shorter so the overall dimension end to end was the same the stock and, you know, like I said when I that gear carrier made that stud go out another inch and three quarter and when I went to put it in it was hitting right on the sheet metal so I had to take and drill a five-eighths diameter hole in there just to clear right. the, then the nut and the stud head and then it went right in and then I went to drive it uh-huh. Tommy Costello and my nephew helped me put it in at my house one Saturday we got it all in we went for a drive I couldn't get it to engage into fifth gear so I had to wait till Monday morning and then I called Dave Foltz and told him it won't go into fifth gear and he th- he says well you may have to take the shifter off and grind a little away on the one side of the opening, so it so it'll grow all the way over.
0: And I did that. Boom. So sweet. And what shifter do you have in this car? That's a Berg shifter. So you modified your shifter to be a Berg, to be a five-speed shifter out of a four-speed. No,
1: it's just a regular shifter. But all I had to do is modify the opening where the shifter mounted. The tunnel, but on the top of the tunnel. And it only took about an eighth of an inch to clear that out because it wasn't going over far enough to get it all the way over and
0: engage into fit. That's nuts, man. So, yeah. That's nuts. Oh, yeah. So, when you bought the 5-speed from Mikey's 5-speed, it was just a guy making 5-speed kits? Like, it yeah. wasn't a big factory. It was like a guy who was just kind of did it. They had a shop up in Oregon, from what I've learned, and uh,
1: they did them. Yeah. And apparently, one guy that kind of follows with me on this the five-speed deal said that he got one from him he went to sacramento and he raced it and then he came home and on the way home it started wouldn't slipping through gears and what have you. you ended up having to have it towed flat towed home because from what i understood the the first few kits that they did they lengthened the gears inch and three quarters because Dave had to send them up some gear the shafts and then they lengthened them three quarters of an inch machined them and all and they welded them on and then after that they started doing threaded oh really yes threading in pieces extension pieces and so I they guess, would
0: tap the ring and pinion or the or the, the pinion the gears gear and whatever and,
1: and lengthen it that way yeah and then they started having problems with them coming loose and I have talked to Mike Herbert from Rancho about that and he says he has a a few of them over there that the guys didn't want anymore because they just keep coming loose. So but mine are actually welded. So can you weld the threaded ones? I don't see why you couldn't. Yeah. You know, as a machinist and tool and die maker, I don't yeah. see why I'm you asking shouldn't be the able expert, to, right? you know. You put a nice <laughs> groove in there where they go together and weld that sucker up, machine it back down and huh. recut the grooves. And
0: so and now you see, now this conversation now opened a door in my head to me to try to track down Mikey's five-speed, see who's still around from that yeah. era just talk to them about the five-speed kit yeah i'm sure
1: dave Foltz or even rancho may be able to shed some light on the deal you know yeah so no that's uh but you know and 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 what race in the volkswagen and then with my brother and the porsches that led us into the dirt cars and go-karts and yeah we got go-karts my younger brother bought a go-kart and we raced that at ascot against the pedrogron brothers really against page and pj jones and yeah, I used to talk to Parnelli Jones all the time at the, at the races because Paige is, is about the same age as my nephew. Yeah. So I've known those. And Jeff Gordon, he started in quarter midgets right side beside my nephew when he was four years old. Yeah. They're the same age, and I followed Jeff all the way up till he was 13, and his stepdad took him back east and put him in a midget, and the rest is history. Yeah, of 100%. So, yeah. And then, yeah. I, I, but, I've yeah, been... then my nephew, he started, and we put him in the go-kart, mm-hmm. did that, and then we got into a three-quarter midget ran that and won a championship and and then he stayed with that for quite a while and and uh, we in 1990 he got a ride in another TQ and we ran Irwindale Speedway and he set the all-time track record on the third mile in that TQ midget he was the fastest and the quickest driver and I was working on the car that night in 1999 it was Turkey night and uh, I says yeah we got that record cool but you know records are made to be broken yeah. That record still stands today. Really? He's in the record book, he's the fastest. That three-quarter midget was perfectly suited to that track. Wow. He actually ran that track in a Ford Focus midget with a bigger motor but a bigger car and was slower than the TQs. So,
0: but then we ran sprint cars also and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's, it's it's good. It's the, the VW hobbies led you down quite a few different paths. Oh yeah,
1: just the experiences and then and then my older brother, he actually got on the IndyCar teams, and he was on, because uh, him and I chased Porsches for a while, and then I got into the Volkswagens and got married. I couldn't really do that. So him and my younger brother kept chasing the Porsches and met a bunch of people. And then my brother actually got in with IndyCar teams and was on Emerson Fittipaldi's IndyCar team in 1984 when he got into it. And then in 93, when my nephew won the USAC three-quarter midget championship, Emo won the USAC IndyCar Championship, the banquet was in Indiana, my nephew and brother and his family went back there, I have a picture of my brother and my nephew on with Emerson Fittipaldi in the middle, because uh, he was the champion, and yeah. when they were in the lobby of the hotel getting ready to go in the banquet room, Rick Mears and Emerson Fittipaldi walked in, and my nephew went up and said hi to him, and he remembered my nephew and my brother, and when my nephew said, well, I'm here. I won the USAC TQ championship. And Emerson said, this is fantastic. We win the championships together.
0: So <laughs> pretty cool how it all intertwines. Yeah. You know? No, that's great. You that's know, great. So. And you know, and you're still part of the story. You're oh, still yeah. building a car, still getting it out there, still going to get it on the road. I'm
1: the pit steward for the California Lightning Sprints. My nephew is now the race director, and so he tagged me to do that job. So yeah. I do that every other week. So well, it's, that's pretty it's pretty awesome. cool, you know. And then the, the slick track thing down at Go-Kart. Yeah. In fact, one of the guys just left last week to go back to the Midwest. He runs a, a modified, uh, MCA modified car. He's 24 years old. He goes back there for five months four months five months he'll be back there till October now they run five nights a week out there wow but he says if you want to be the best you got to race against the best yeah and he's come back and he's won the first he, he won three out of five races here and then went back there and he finished in the big ten thousand dollar to win one he he ended up fourth so he's a good driver that's good and he used to be down at Slick
0: Track all the time, all the time. And That's it. And, get him, get your kids out there in the cars early, guys. Get your kids out right. there in the cars. Get them to handle that car, man. Well, uh, it'll teach them how to control a car. Yeah, you'll either, they'll either get real famous or you'll spend a lot of money. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot is. of fun for us guys. No, it's a great yeah. time, man. So. John, anything else you think we needed to touch bases on?
1: Or we no, covered most of it. It's just yeah. There's so much history in the VW scene. You know, the guys coming in now in the '80s and the '90s. I see their pages and stuff. And, yeah. You know, they're they're fascinated with what was going on, just like you. Yeah. They want to know well, where did this all start out. You know, and right. boy. Ron Fleming and uh, Aaron and uh, you know, Aronson and Thurber, yeah, back in the mid 60s, you know, and and if it weren't for them, and I didn't see them all pull in at the
0: all the cool guys show, oh up.
1: man, and doing them burnouts, and you'd hear that <laughs> from the Webers. And so I went over and looked at those cars and said, This is what we're doing, man, right, and that's right. what we did.
0: No, that's great. So. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today, and uh. Really um, but, thankful for you having me. Yeah. I mean, this was totally unexpected. It was completely, it was completely random, but it's perfect. Yeah. I think it's perfect. It just, you know. And Lonnie Reed played I, a big part. That's in right. Lonnie, Lonnie Reed kind of key weighed in here and said, here, sit down, do this interview. <laughs> and he said, this is the guy that had the first set of One Piece windows. I said, what? We're having a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. pleasure to meet you, and it's great to have you on the show. The pleasure was mine, yeah. definitely. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, thanks.
1: You bet. Best wishes on your endeavors here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
0: If you like this podcast, make sure you share it with a friend or other VW enthusiasts. To support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com website, go to the store, click on some merch, pick out a shirt or a hat or something cool that you like and support your favorite podcast. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel where there's constantly content being uploaded. We appreciate your guys' support, but now a word from our sponsor. Guess who's back? VW Trends Magazine, that's who, bringing back the fun in magazines. A true cross-culture the VW hobby. VW Trends was always willing to step outside and bring you the latest trend in the VW scene. And you could be a part of this historic relaunch. How, you ask? Well, go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and there are several different ways that you can help relaunch this magazine. That's right, this is a grassroots effort put on by the VW community itself, relaunching one of those fun magazines that was bringing the culture to the market. They've got subscription packages all the way from $1.99 and the Founders Club, all the way to donate 5 bucks, just to do your part to help get this back on the scene. This magazine for the people's car is for the people, and it's by the people. So now you guys can be a part of history and contribute to help get this magazine relaunched. First issue's coming out shortly, so stand by to get more details on that. But for now, go to vwtrendsmagazine.com and support the relaunch of VW Trends Magazine. Well, that wraps it up for us, guys. Until next week, later. station.